Hello. So I'm sorry about my voice. I'm, our family has kind of gone through a cold this week. But um, so if you've got access to ESPN, it seems like there's always a big stakes poker tournament or the World Series of Poker uh, that's on. And, if, and if, if you've got a few minutes to kill, it's a pretty good study on people, right? I don't play poker, I'm not much uh, uh, into card games, but it is kind of fun to people watch every once in a while. And especially those that are really trying really hard to control their faces, right? <laughs> Sitting around that poker table. And that for me is what can kind of draw me in sometimes to the world of poker. So there are, there are some characters that will sit at that poker table and you can watch a game just even for a few minutes. And, and there is you know a several, several million dollar pot. I think the last time I was watching it was 17 million dollars that was in the pot in the middle of the table. And so most of the people have folded and, um, you know, it's down to a couple guys. And I mean, when it gets to that point, they're looking each other up and down, you know, from, from three feet across that table and there's no shot clock and, and poker. So they, you can sometimes they can stare at each other for 20 minutes and it's allowed, right? You're just looking for a twitch or if there's a pulse that's going on um, and a little bit of sweat that's coming down his forehead, right? And finally, the, the one guy just makes his decision and if he's any good, he goes, you know, very low key, very cool, very calm and he's like, I'm all in, Right? I'm putting all the chips on the table and he shoves all his chips into the middle of the pot and people get excited and nervous about this because oh my goodness, these cards are about to turn over and I hope you didn't get bluffed out of the best opportunity in this moment. And it's this feeling of being all in and that's what church is really all about. It's interesting, you know, the, the words that were coming to us this morning about surrender, because that's where we're going this morning. Um, we're, we're still in the book of Acts, and can I just back up and just say this parenthetically that this is called the book of Acts, right? <laughs> and so, in other words, it's about what the followers of Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit do. So, this book, hello, is not called be. And it's called do. Now, if that sounds a little legalistic, we could go to the book of James, and I think we will sometime do a study on the book of James. That may be something we should think about. But because here's the thing. Yes, we have a new identity in Christ, but not so that we can sit around and relish who we are in Christ, right? We have a new identity in Christ so we can rise up in Christ and walk with him and do the things that Christ has prepared for us beforehand that we should do. So I want to invite you, if you would, if you would please stand with me as we honor God's word to us this morning. We're going to read it from Ephesians chapter two. And this is what it says. It says, for by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation for it was a loved gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will be, ever be able to boast for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. But we also have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny that he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would, can you just say this word with me, the good works that we would do 
to fulfill it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you, um, God, just for this, this challenge uh, from your word this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just remove any um, feelings of, of guilt or weight or any kind of just remove the, the, the negative emotions that could come from any of this this morning. God, we just um, cover this with your love, your mercy, your grace. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. All right. So, there's a big sweep in the church, and which is, I think is absolutely awesome, um, which is about talking about who we are. And I hope that you know who you are in Christ. I, 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 I hope you know who you be in Christ. Remember that message that Patricia uh, Messer preached uh, earlier this year, if you were around? Because being is the beginning of everything for us. And so knowing your identity is the beginning of everything, but it's not the end of everything. And so the end of everything, really it comes to what we're reading right here in Acts. And Acts is a church in motion. And it's a church that's moving with God and a church that's gotten touched by the power of the Holy Spirit and is now on board with what God is doing on planet Earth. And so Acts has two big things that's happening here. One is Jesus is in heaven and he's left his followers with this big assignment. So, um, you know, he's basically saying, make sure everybody on the planet knows who I am and knows about my finished work and my death and my burial and my resurrection. Make sure everybody on the planet knows. The second big thing is you're going to receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you'll be ready to be my witnesses here and there and everywhere, basically, is what he says. So there's this big assignment for the church, tell people about who I am, and then supernatural power, which is our series, More Powerful, is available to everybody in this church so that we can be transformed and be alive in that mission. So that all happens in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter three, the leaders of this early church, Peter and John, are on their way up to the temple courts. And we've kind of been through some of this in the, in the first part of this series. Um, they see a man who's crippled, right? And in the name of Jesus, this guy is healed. A buzz goes through the crowd and suddenly people are pressing in on Peter and John and they begin to preach a sermon about the power and the name and the power of the person of Jesus. And as they do, the temple court officials come and ultimately they get arrested. Right? They arrest and put him in jail um, for proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. So this thing is off to an amazing start. Um, right out of the gate, Pentecost happens. It's crazy. You know, tongues of fire come on everybody. They're speaking in different languages. Somebody gets healed. A crowd gathers. Jesus is proclaimed and he's preached. And now the two leaders of this thing are in jail. So we barely into the story yet. And it's about as all in as you can get. Acts, can I just say this right at the beginning? Acts is an all in story. And so I want you to see a few things with me in Acts chapter four as we kind of unfold this. So Peter and John have been arrested and then as they're questioning them, look what happens in verse eight. Peter, filled with Holy Spirit, answered and said, respected elders and leaders of the people, listen, are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail crippled man? Well, then you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. Now notice the first phrase in this verse, Peter was what? He was filled 
with the Holy Spirit. So we've got a mission and we've got power, but the power has a purpose and the purpose is to proclaim the name of Jesus everywhere. We are to whomever God puts in our path on planet earth. And so God's looking for powerful people, not powerful people like the world says we want to be powerful, but people full of power, of Holy Spirit power, the power of the Spirit of God, that flaming arrow that we talked about, doing the acts of God's purpose and a plan, that mighty rushing wind. And so we'll notice a few verses before. We're going to back up a few verses. It talks about who's in this meeting. Verse 5. It says, the next day, many Jewish leaders and religious scholars and elders of the people convened in a meeting in Jerusalem. And um, Annas, the highest high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others who were members of the high priest family. So they made Peter and John stand in front of the council as they questioned them, saying, tell us by what power and authority have you done these things? So did you notice in that list of who was in this meeting, one of them was Caiaphas. So he's the the high priest, Caiaphas, and they had gone to his house the night that Jesus was arrested. That's where they were. And it was around that same fire that Peter was confronted by the servant girl. And we all remember what happened there, probably. It was outside of the courtyard of his house, Caiaphas' house, that Peter said, "I'm, I'm, I'm wilting under the pressure and I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who this man Jesus is. I don't, I've never heard of this man. That's what he said. And so 50 days ago, in front of Caiaphas' power, Peter wilts. On this day, face to face with the same Caiaphas, and not in the shadows of a courtyard fire, but straight up eyeball to eyeball, face to face, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says, rulers and elders of the people, let me tell you what's going on here. (laughs) His name is Jesus. And the name that we've spoken of is Jesus. And the power that did this is Jesus' power. And so we're here to proclaim his name. We're here to proclaim the person and the fame and the power of Jesus. So we're talking about a major transformation that happened in just a few weeks. And that's what powerful is all about. This is what Jesus knew had to happen. He couldn't send the old Peter out to be in a situation like this. He needed the spirit-empowered Peter to be moving out so that the difference could be seen in his life and the message could go forward in power. So look at verse 13. It says, the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had any religious training. They began to understand the effect that Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. So wow, that doesn't mean that everybody in the kingdom has to be a fisherman from Galilee, right? Jesus had insiders that were tax collectors um, and and, and people who had other occupations, but these were just a couple of your run-of-the-mill Galilean fishermen types, and they spoke so boldly And so clearly and so authoritatively, so powerfully that they looked at them and they said, man, these are ordinary guys and they're they're not even super educated in the ranks of, you know, the Jewish culture and teaching, but they're schooling all of us today. (laughs) They're schooling all of us, not with information, but with power, with courage, with conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what the church looks like when the church is filled with people who have been touched by supernatural power and plugged into the mission of proclaiming the name of Jesus everywhere on this planet. And so that's what church is all about. But 
in America, things have shifted a little bit, right? And that's really the heart of where this message is going. And so in America, things, things have shifted from these early roots and our early roots where everybody has a revelation of Jesus the Messiah and every one of these were Jesus followers, but everywhere also was, was, was touched with the Holy Spirit, everyone, every one of them. And so everyone, as we're gonna see, had engaged with the mission. So somehow, now, We've morphed, and I think you'll see this, I think you'll agree with me, especially in, I would say, in American culture, to a new kind of a thing, and to a, a different kind of a church, to a different even philosophy of church, even the way we talk about it. And you see, you see it in the main question that people ask about the church. People ask, what church do you go to? What church do you go to? What church do you attend? Uh, well, we're mem- we go to so-and-so, or we attend so-and-so, or we're members of such-and-such a church, right? But the blank is filled in with we go to, or we attend Destiny Foursquare Church, or, or whatever name you put in the blank. But when you're reading Acts 4, especially as you come down to the end, you don't see anything about a mindset that says church is something that you go to or church is something that you attend, right? And so you see more down to the end as Peter and John are released from prison, they come back uh, to the believers who are praying for them. And as they welcome them back, the text ends, verse 32, it says, I know we keep on coming back to this verse, but there's so much in this. All the believers were one in mind and heart. Selfishness was not part of their community for they shared everything that they had with one another. The apostles gave powerful testimonies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great measures of grace rested upon them all. Look at that opening line. All of the believers were one in mind and heart. That's, that's an all in mentality, right? That's an all in. People had seen the risen Jesus they had, they had been touched by the power of the Holy Spirit and they had pushed all their chips kind of into the middle of the table. And, and they said, we're all in. We've seen Jesus. We've been touched. We've touched the holes in his wrist and his side and his feet. And we've now been touched by the power of God. He's come down from heaven. We're all in. Count us in. They're all there. And that's a different mentality from saying, I attend church or we go to such and such a church, right? It's more of the thinking that says, we belong here. This is our family. These are my people and this is my tribe. And we get that in life because, you know, we're hashtagging family. You know, I'm out here with my people. These are my people. You, you come against one of my people. You're coming against me, right? Uh, you you want to take a shot at one of us. You take a shot at all of us. If, the, if, if things get low, we're all going down in the valley together. You know, we know that language, right? We've, we know it. That's how it works in hashtag family. But somehow, you know, we make that shift and we land at church and, and the mentality changes. It's, it's, it's like, oh, the church is something that we go to. And, and in the, the American church, for a lot of people, that changes about as fast as fashion, right? We used to go to that church, but now we go to this church. But you know, now we, we're not sure about that church, so now we're going to go to this church. And, and yeah, we're thinking about going to that church, but then our friends decided to go to that church, so now we're going to go to that church a little while. And somewhere you know, in the middle, even though we go to church, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And, and, and there's not the sense of all in in the equation. And so I think that here's, pastors Brett and Tana used to talk about this. I think it's the, the Pareto principle leaking into the church. Do you know what the, the Pareto principle is? 
I, 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 I remember Brent and Tana talked about this. They, they, maybe they called it by a different name, but um, maybe you know it by a different name if you're in business or you know the Pareto Principle if you're an economics student or study economic principles, but it's named after this guy named Vilfredo Pareto. And he was an Italian economist who in the late 1800s, he was studying um, all the economic principles in Italy and he came up with the 80-20 rule. The 80-20 rule was later called the Pareto Principle in honor of him. And so anybody ever heard of the 80-20 rule? You familiar with that? Okay. So it works in almost every sphere of life. Um, the 80-20 rule says for many events, roughly 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. In other words, in any organization, typically 20% of the people on, the, on that staff or in that group of people are responsible for 80% of the output of that organization. So that's the 80-20 rule. So the same thing, it rings true in sales. Um, if 20% uh, of your customers are many times responsible for 80% of your orders. That's why you've got this little select group that you wanna look after and care about really, really well, right? Because they're the ones who are sending in the orders that are creating 80% of your output. Um, they're big fans of you know, whatever your merchandise or your store is. So the 80, they're all in. The 80-20 rule works all the way across life, but sadly, what we see is that the Pareto principle has seeped into the church of Jesus, this beautiful, vibrant, joy-filled, exhilarating ride that you know, we call the church now looks a lot like you know, the Pareto principle, just with a cross on top of it. And here's the, the thing about it, the cross is absolutely a picture of all in. The cross is a picture of a savior who'd leave heaven and he came to earth, right? Leaving nothing on the sidelines and giving every ounce of what he had to do the one thing that he had come to do so that then he would call you and me to be an all-in response, right? And so do you, you know, it's, it's like he was coming in and saying, do you believe that I'm the son of God? Do you believe that I'm the one who can forgive your sins? Do you believe that I'm the one who can cancel debt? I'm the one who is raised from the dead? You know, I, do you believe that I have the power over sin and hell and death and the grave? And do you believe that I have the authority to forgive you? And do you believe I could give you a brand new life? And do you believe that you can be born again in the power of my name? If so, come and follow me. It's an all-in equation. And so as soon as you see the cross, you know this is an all-in story. But somehow, the church that's gathered around the cross has become this Pareto uh, principle church. You're like, well, what do you mean by that? You can ask almost any church leader, and, and they will tell you, almost any pastor, um, uh, you'll come across, they'll tell you 20% of the people who come to our church do 80% of the ministry and the work that gets done in the church. It's just the way it seems to go in, in, in the culture that we live in. But when the gospel explodes, and when lots of people are coming to faith, when all of a sudden the doors are open wide, it seems like it's just easy for this 80-20 rule to just kind of land and so we look at it at Destiny. We look at it. Um, we have you know, X number of, of people that come to Destiny, not just come in the day, but if you take the ones that come you know, twice a month or, or, or not here every week, but are here most weeks, um, you put that all together and you do an average and you get a number of people. And so if you take 20% of that, that's how many feet on the floor people we have really kind of involved in the church. And everybody 
else in the equation, we love it, right? And in fact, you'll meet them somewhere and they'll say, oh man, our family goes to Destiny and we love it there. The music's great. And, you know, I mean, God touches us before anybody even, you know, speaks and we sit under the teaching of the word of God and they're the nicest people we've ever met. We feel inspired and encouraged and lifted up every time we go there. But only 20% of the people who come are plugged in and serving on teams, and, and uh, of the people of the, of the 100% of what's happening. And, and so this is, this is what's got to change. And it's not just, it's not for Destiny Foursquare Church's sake, it, but it's for your sake and it's for my sake so that we don't end up getting bluffed out of our all-in commitment on life. And when the cards are turned over and at the end of the hand, realize we've pushed our stuff into the wrong pot. And not only did we miss out on the joy and the exhilaration that is following Jesus, we missed out, I believe, on a true brand of being Christ-like that some of us really don't know because we're operating out of a Pareto principle level when God is calling us to have an all-in mentality. This is what they had in Acts. For all the believers who are one in heart and mind, all of them were one in heart and mind. They didn't have anyone in the category of, I would just like you know, to attend occasionally or I'd like to stay around Jerusalem and say, hey, I go to Acts Church. You know? No, it would be more like, these are my people. This is my tribe. This is my family. Now, can I just back up a moment? Because if you're uh, new to Destiny Foursquare Church and you're like, what are you talking about? I just got here and I don't even know what it looks like to plug in. Uh, I don't know what, it, what, the, what this church is. And it kind of sounds like you guys don't know a lot either. <laughs> um, but you just walked in the door and you're like, okay, I'm here. And I might want to get invested. I'm not even sure if I know Jesus. And suddenly, you know, I'm in the middle of this message where you're telling me that I need to put all my chips into the middle of the table. And that's really not the message today. In fact, if you just got here, the message really isn't even for you except maybe to give you a snapshot of what church can be. And see, we, we get this in other avenues of life. We, I, I don't know if anybody's ever been in a fraternity or a sorority, but if you were, you know what sisterhood and brotherhood was all about. You took a pledge. I mean, you have the secret handshake, right? And, and it's hard to depend from a sorority. It's, it's harder to depend from a sorority than it is to walk out of a church and never come back. And because there's something about sisterhood and about that bond and about that commitment and that pledge and that brotherhood, if it were about that bond and that pledge and that commitment, those people, when they step in, in their mind and in their thinking, they're in a relationship for the rest of their lives, right? And I think somehow with the church, I want to see us get that kind of mentality. And if you're brand new to church, I, I, I just want you to know that that's what church should be. These are my yeah. people. Yeah. This is my family. It's easy to trust Jesus, but it's kind of like, if, if some of us forget, it's kind of like pushing all your chips to get in. And then it's hard to walk away because you've got brothers and sisters who are counting on you, who know you and are going to follow you out the door and go, man, we're here with you. We love you. And you're one of us and you're in our story. 
So if you're new or visiting, this message isn't so much for you, but this message is really for someone that's been coming and been a part of the church. You know, whether destiny's your home or not, you've been in the house and you've been, you know, loving it. You've been loving every minute of it. You've loved it all. You've been under the teaching. You felt inspired and encouraged and you've seen change in your life. But after a year, if you're still not all in, I mean, in your mind you are because you're like, well, we come, Sean, and, and, and it's not always easy to make time and we come. <laughs> But as far as that commitment of saying, we want to be one with the people in this house and we want to push our lives and our resources and our time and our energy into the equation. We want to be a servant in this house and a giver and a supporter in this house. And we want to be connected into the life of this house, not just what happens in a gathering like on a Sunday morning. We we talked about this a little bit, bit last week. I don't want to just save a seat and a space for me and mine. I want to save a seat for the city. And I don't want to be a space taker. Holy Spirit wants to turn me into a place maker, right? And so let me just say, it's okay to come and just take a place. It's okay to walk in and say, I don't know everything. Can I just sit here for a while? Absolutely. It's okay to walk in and say, you know, I I just went through a blistering divorce. Can I just settle here for a while and, and for a season? Yes, please, please do it. It's okay to come and say, I have so many questions. I don't even know if Jesus is real. Please, can I just sit here for a moment? Absolutely. You know, when you've received a revelation of who Jesus is, when that time comes that he is who he says he is and, and he's the Messiah and he's Christ and he's Lord and in that moment that you're touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, what is the power of the Holy Spirit for? And it's in that moment that you engage with the mission of God and engage with the mission of the church and you come off of the sidelines and say, I'm gonna be all in. This is my house and these are my people, and this is my tribe. And that only happens when we change out of the Pareto principle for another principle, and that principle, we're gonna call it the Numa principle, and I spelled it wrong on your handout. It's P-N-U-E-M-A. And so I'd like for us to just get this in our minds and in our hearts. The Numa principle, it works like this. Numa is the Greek word in the text for wind, or breath, or spirit. So when it says they were filled with Holy Spirit in the Greek language, as I read, they were filled with the pneuma of God. And it's, it's beautiful that that same word spirit is the word for wind, therefore powerful for breath, powerful in the moving out in the power of God. And so the pneuma principle works like this. The pneuma principle isn't the 80-20 rule, it's the 100-100 rule. <laughs> and, and it works this way. of the people embrace Messiah and they're filled with the spirit and contribute to 100% of the work of the church. And so this is what Holy Spirit has in mind for the church that was born in the pages in the text that we're reading today. 100% of the people embrace who Jesus is and they're touched by the power of Holy Spirit and engage with God's mission through the church on planet Earth. You can say it in a different way. Everybody touched by the power of the spirit is engaged in the mission. Every single one of us. And that must happen before the church can really be the church that we're called to be. 
That's a biblical picture of the church. That's what our team rallies around. That's why we rally around our leaders. And we look at that number of people who are plugged in and we look at how many people are volunteering, you know, for the Life Inc. class outreach and look at who's engaging in a connect group. And yeah, we know who's gonna be here today. We count, we count heads, right? We get an account that's reported to Foursquare that we, it's just part of something that we do. So we'll know exactly how many kids were in the, the kids' room today. And you'll know how many middle schoolers and teenagers, you know, were at youth group on Wednesday and how many babies are in the nursery. How many people are here at the 927 East Philadelphia Street property right now, right? We'll know to a person how many people are here. And we look at that because it just helps us, you know, gauge momentum and movement. But the numbers that we're zeroing in on many times are how many people are serving, how many people are doing the ministry. Is that all in percentage increasing? How many people are building relationship in a connect group? How many people seem to be moving into the life of Destiny Foursquare Church? And are the households that are giving, is that number going up as well? Because that lets us know Destiny is becoming a part uh, of the church by the biblical definition. We're becoming more and more and more and more of a church every time we see that Preto principle being replaced by this Numa principle in our house. And so, and unless a church makes some progress in that, honestly, we're, what, what we are is another social organization, right? We're a good one, I think. We're, we're, we're a wonderful, spiritual, social organization, and people do get touched and changed because of what we do. But I think we've, I just think we've got to hold that word up, the church word up a little bit higher than the American culture has held it and say that church is not just something that you attend, it's not just something that you go to, it's a family that you belong. And when you find your family and you gather under the cross of Jesus, you push what you got all in. And all of us push what we've got all in. So I'm telling you, Destiny Foursquare Church would be like a rocket taking off right now if we move into this Numa principle mentality about the church. So what does that look like? It looks like, consistently as the first option, you know, gathering like we are right now. And thank you for being here today, you know, connecting into the life of the church and giving to the aims and to the missions of the church and serving and putting your hands in, you know, if you will, and saying, I want to help somebody else find a way to, to Jesus, you know, through the ministry. And I want to tell you, I just want to tell you, take a, take a couple minutes and tell you about a, a, people, a couple people that are fairly new to Destiny. They moved to Rapid um, right before the pandemic hit. And they came to a couple of our growth track um, classes and then, you know, pandemonium, right? And so we went online with our services for a while and America was kind of upended. And the whole world was adjusting to and trying to figure out how to respond to COVID-19. But then um, 2021 came around and we started seeing these guys again. And I mean, um, they actually live at the end of my block. So I saw them a little bit before then, but uh, we started seeing them around here again. And we started, uh, I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to try to plug into any new church community towards the beginning of 2020. It was not an easy thing. It, uh, but these guys, somehow, they stuck with us through this year. And so first, let me tell you about somebody named Rayanne. She's sitting back there working our computer screens um, this morning. And so many of you know that, that there was some concern about how many things were gonna be left undone when the Brown family made the transition um, to their new pastorate, which by the way, um, they celebrated their installment just last Sunday down in Fort Morgan and it was a beautiful thing. They are doing well. I, I, 
as you can imagine, I keep in touch with Derek uh, pretty frequently. So, but we were concerned, you know, they're, they're leaving a lot behind, right? How are we going to fill all of this? So, well, Rayanne is one of our uh, front office volunteers who volunteers on Tuesdays um, all day. And so if you have ever listened to one of our messages on the website in the last part of the year or heard Destiny on the radio or on our broadcast, that's all her. She, she picked up all of those tasks that Derek used to do. And so she, she's very actively plugged into a Wednesday night connect group. Um, it's very rare that you won't see her around here on a Wednesday. Um, she has pinch hit for us in the nursery a couple of times for various services and events. And she oversees tracking attendance for every group that meets outside of our Sunday morning gatherings. So, and not only that, she's married. She's a wife and a mother with two um, three-year-old twin boys. And Rayanne is somebody who gets, I think, the picture of what it means to be all in. In fact, she's also signed up to serve and attend the new loving classes that we're hosting on Tuesday night as well. And so I'm not done. Uh, let me tell you also about Barbara. Barbara is sitting over there right next to Rayanne. It's Rayanne's mom, and I'm pretty sure that the very first time that I met you, you came up to me and you said, hey, I want to serve on the media team. <laughs> I mean, the first Sunday that she came here, they, they moved from Montana. And um, so I told Derek, they were taking the growth track classes, the pandemic hit, everything kind of shut down for a while. We were online. So as soon as everybody started gathering again, there was Barbara finishing up the growth track and talking with Derek about being on the team. So Barbara is also a volunteer in our, our front office for several days of the week. And she's picked up um, the other half of what uh, Pastor Derek and um, Pam did outside of his youth ministry role at Destiny, which is setting up all the media that you see every week on the screens, all the song lyrics, the message slides, the videos, she puts that all in. And so she also took on the role of scheduling and preparing everything that needs to happen for our live streams to go out on Facebook and YouTube. So if you're watching on live stream today, um, that's because of her. And now I, I know that there's a few hiccups here and there, and there's probably always will be with technology, right? But can we just say how thankful we are that we wouldn't even have the ability <laughs> to be online and, and with our streaming audience today without you. <laughs> so Barbara, you make it happen. And so she is also, for the first time this fall, she's co-leading a connect group with Pastor Lyle about hearing the voice of God. And can, can we just say this morning to, to both Rayanne and Barbara, what an amazing picture that you give of the all-in spirit of the church. And I, I just want to say that you two are rock stars, and I, I really do believe that. But honestly, true to the fact is that these two people, they just get it. They're, they're really and truly powerful people in our church are powerful people filled by Holy Spirit to be engaged. Amen. So just one more time. Love you guys. So I'm telling you something about these two. So when they come into the gathering, here's, it's a different mindset, right? They're, you don't just walk in and go, you know, I hope it's good this morning. It's walking into the church building and saying, you know, man, I can't wait to see what God is going to do. And God, I'm available for you to use me. And I know him and I know her and I know that person and that there's that family again. And oh, you know, there's those people, they came back. So I want to encourage them. Um, I want to, I'm going to meet up. I'm going to follow up with them again. It's a whole different ball game when you have an ownership mentality versus a kind of a viewership mentality, right? And it's not just, oh, that's, that's a wonderful video that we watched about the outreach. It's, it's like, no, I was there. I was a stakeholder in that story because I was right there in the middle of it. And so if you were 
leaning into the house and supporting the house and giving to the house, you're a shareholder. That's the ownership mentality. And Rand and Barbara, you know, we just want to tell you that we love you. And I just want to say thanks for sharing your lives with us. And thanks for encouraging our house. So I just want to, I want to put a face on this for all of us because church is not about the leaders. And, and, and although God uses leaders and he uses them in the church, it's about God touching and feeling everybody, <laughs> all, all in. Look at how this chapter ends and then we'll close. Some who owned houses or lands sold them and brought the proceeds before the apostles to distribute to those without. Not a single person among them was needy. Now, just to be clear, this isn't communism, it's not socialism, it's not communal living or cultism. When it says that they had everything in common, it doesn't mean that, you know, when they came to faith, someone said, you know, you've got to turn in the deed to your house, uh, you know, empty out your bank account and give all your money to the guru and then he'll decide what happens from here. That's not the picture. People still own land, people still own houses. You'll see all the way through Acts, people are in different professions, all different stages of business, life and success. So it wasn't about, hey, we're gonna take all of our possessions you know, when you come into the fellowship of the church. No, here's what it was. It was a picture of Holy Spirit um, prompting people so that when um, the, the, the movement of, of Jesus, they needed some possessions, he would ask them to move their resources into kingdom endeavors. And because they were all in already, they said, absolutely, because I've already decided that I'm all in, so take whatever you want. And that is a beautiful picture of the church. And so, I mean, let's... <laughs> Let's talk about tithe for just a minute. Can we do that? Can, I, can we just go there? Because you're like, go ahead. I invited my neighbors and they're never coming back again now. It's a wash now, so you might as well, right? <laughs> so the tithe is, is 10%. That's why it's called the tithe. Um, this is a tenth. Um, so God gives you a job. God, he gives you an allowance. He gives you a gift from your aunt. He gives you uh, money. He gives you a field. He gives you a talent. He, he uh, gives you a crop. And the first 10% of it goes back to the house of God. It goes back into the hands of God and into the kingdom of God, into the work of God. It's, it's, not, an, it's not a question. It's, it's not an economy. It's, it's not even a decision. It's just a fact. Oh, great. I got paid $627 this week. 62 of that is going to go into the house of God. As a way of saying, thank you, I realize I'm not a self-made person. I am a breathing for free God's air that he's given me. I'm living on God's earth. I'm created in God's image. And I got my start because God knit me together in my mother's womb. And so I'm good at my job because God gave me the gifts that he gave me and the skill and the ability that I have. So yes, I put my effort in, but without God's air and without um, God's gift and without God's life and without God's grace, I wouldn't be on this planet today. So one way of saying thank you, God, is to say this tenth just automatically it belongs to you. Boom, bam, done, settled, it's over. And so that's like, it's, it's really, it's talked about so much in the scriptures. It's like elementary gratitude 101. And in America and in the American church, we're straining. Like we are running in Olympic games to, to reach up and just take a hold of that tithe. And there's no exhilaration and there's no rush of joy in a, in a church that has to get on their tippy toes to barely reach to gratitude 101. Gratitude 101 isn't the goal. The rush is when you push it all in into the center of the table and say, Holy Spirit, I belong to you and all that I have belongs to you. And I see Jesus and I see the mission and I am all in. Now, I've, it's, 
it's, it's this picture of this guy in the scripture. I've got this piece of land over here, you know, in Mead County. And you know, it's, it's kind of sitting there because my grandfather passed it on to me and it doesn't look like it's worth very much. But then one day suddenly Holy Spirit says, hey, you know, what? Have you seen that new thing that they're doing over there? The church are talking about that possible. You know, we should sell that land. Maybe it's only worth, you know, $39,000, but let's take that and put it in the hands of God and say, go faster at whatever it is you're trying to do over there and use this seed, Lord, to do what only you can do. The spirit of God rearranging some things for me and the land was already on the table. And so I just needed to make that transaction because I was already all in. What a mindset. It's a difference between going to church and attending church versus being the church and being hand in hand with a tribe of people with a common mission and a common God and a common spirit in our lives. So the, the author of this book names someone at the end of this chapter, and I love this. He says in verse 36 that there was a Levite from Cyprus named Joseph who sold his farmland and placed the proceeds at the feet of the apostle. You think, you, lo- you think Luke wrote that in so we can just see a real life example of someone who brought their money and put it at the apostles' feet? He just, he's basically saying, I'm all in. I put it on the table. And understand that this difference can't happen because of a message. This difference happens, and we see it in the picture of Acts, is because we're filled and prompted by Holy Spirit. And I'm praying today specifically that God would wring out all of the human guilt out of this message so that not one person would leave this gathering today and say, oh my gosh, I feel terrible, or okay, honey, let's, let's sign up to be a, a door holder, or oh my goodness, that really got to me today. I feel like he was looking at me the whole time and I gotta give, I gotta give something. I just pray that God would wring out all of the human emotion and all of the human guilt factor out of this message because that's not what's supposed to happen this morning. All that God desires is that Holy Spirit would touch your life and that you would see Jesus and be touched with the power of Holy Spirit because when those two things happen, stuff begins to shift in our hearts and we stop, start moving with God from being, I don't wanna be a space taker, I wanna be a place maker. And we start saying consistently as our first option, well, I'm gonna be in the gathering. Consistently as a first option, I'm gonna get connected. Consistently as a first option, we are giving to destiny or whatever church that you're a part of. And consistently as a first option, we're gonna serve at this house. That means most likely we're gonna be here at least a couple times a week because I'm gonna be standing at the door at one gathering and worshiping in another, but we're all in. And that's what it looks like. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that in our culture, we don't have to wear suits and ties and have big padded chairs for the elders up on the stage and it can be more casual, but church can never become optional. The, the gathering, the, the gathering, to, it can never become, well, it's my second best option or my third best option if my first and second you know, options fall through. Now, I, I know I'm, I'm preaching to people who love this house because you're here. And, 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 you, and you love to attend services and, and you know, love to, to join in and connect and, and serve in this house. I know that. But I just feel like, just for the record's sake, it needs to be said that we as a culture have to up our value of what it means to be woven into the church of Jesus. 
It's not optional for us to be a part of what God is doing. It's so imperative for us to be a part of what God is doing. And I'll tell you where it's going to matter the most, maybe for some of us, is 20 years from now, when all of our two and three and seven and 11-year-olds are 26 and 28 and 30 years old. And if, if you in your mind want to see a picture of your kids in church, building the church and loving the church and leading the church and pushing the church forward to the next generation, then you need to show them a picture of what it means to be an all-in family right now. If your family's dynamic is we go and we can and, and when and if it works out, then your kids, I promise, are gonna grow up and they may love Jesus and they may be good kids and they may be involved in good things, but when they have an option to be you know, involved with the church family or not, they're gonna take the option of not because that's what's been modeled to them. So that puts us in a position where we might be incubating right now just a generation away from seeing a whole new band of kids growing up and say church is an, is an option, it always has been, it's a good option, but, you know, it's just an option. And so it can be casual, but it can never become just an option. And I love what I see with so many of our Destiny families. You know, you don't pack your kids into the car on Sunday morning with this mentality that says, all right, everybody, we got to go to church. <sighs> but we've got parents that see what I see. When, and they, they, they see the future leaders of our house. And, and, and they're bringing them along to say, this is our tribe and this is our family, and this is our home, and this is our house, and this isn't somewhere we go to, this isn't, this, but this is our people, and this is our family, and this is our mission together. So this is, there's a seat here for your brother, and a seat for your sister, and a seat for your coworker, and a seat for the person here who hands you, you know, your Starbucks drink, and Bob, you can come up whenever, whenever you want to. You know, it's a seat, here for the guy that's across the street um, or the condo that's down the hall from you. There's a seat here for the person that grooms your dog. There's a seat here for the person that you met on the business trip and there's a seat here for your business partner. There's a seat here for the friend that you're roomies with in college who you know is in the middle of hard times right now and they need somebody to send a life raft out. So here's the thing, there is a seat in this place for everybody's brother and everybody's sister and everybody's mother and everybody's father and everybody in the city. And you're like, well, you know, there aren't that many seats in here, Sean, honestly. So that's right. We might have to, you know, have another location. We, some of you might have to plant a church. And we, but here's the thing, we're not gonna go very far in any direction if we're not all in. So let's go the distance. Let's put our chips on the table this morning. This isn't just a picture you know, that I came up with this morning, but this is the picture that we see of the church that's empowered by Holy Spirit. Over and over and over again in scripture, it says, all, all, everyone, all in one mind, all in one move. Father God, I just pray this morning again, You are a God of grace and God of mercy. So this isn't, when we sing words like I surrender all, and I'm gonna go all in, I'm gonna give everything, it can seem so extreme, it can seem so extreme. It's the word I, I, I'm thinking of. 
but when we flip the script and we look at how good of a God, how good of a Father, how much you love us, how much you gave, you gave everything. This is, this is it's your character. You're an all-in God. You came, you gave your only son. He gave his life for us. He gave everything. So why would he give my all? And that, that isn't, this isn't a talk this morning about works. It's not even about church attendance. It's not any of that stuff. I just wanna say this morning that everything that I have is yours. So speak to me and do with it what you will. That's what it means, you know, and and here's the thing. It's not hard, God, because I know I love you and you love me more than anything. So I can trust you to do the best with my all. So that's where this lands this morning. I can give you my all because you've already given me your all and more beyond comprehension. So Lord, I just pray. Lord, you'd help us to to be that kind of a people, the kind of people that have have, have just pushed everything out, not just for the sake of a, a, a local church, but God, for the sake of your kingdom. Lord, that you would do and give us an above and beyond mentality. Lord, that we'd just be surrendered that it wouldn't be about numbers, God, that it wouldn't be about filling seats, Lord, but it would be about your kingdom and people coming to know who you are. So God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. And we thank you for your word to us today. Again, I, I say remove any guilt, any condemnation, any shame from this message this morning. God, do what only you can do. How did your grace cover it all? God, I thank you for it. I think, you're, I think you love this message because it's a message that uh, is to motivate and encourage engagement in your kingdom work. So Lord, put, put that all over this, your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your love. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If you're here this morning and you haven't said yes to Jesus, I just want to give you a a, a picture of a God that came down to earth to give his all for you. And, you know, no matter where you are in life and no matter where you are in your purpose and and, um, in the cycle, wherever you're at, he's a God that um, will be faithful to be with you. And um, so with nobody looking around and just the, the believers in the house just praying right now, I want to invite you into a relationship with him. He's already given everything for you. And his invitation this morning is for you to lay your life down and give it to him. And he's got good plans for you. He's got a good purpose for you. If that's you this morning, whether it's re-surrendering or saying yes for the first time with nobody looking around, could you just raise your hand? We just want to agree with you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let's pray this together. Say, Father God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my hands. I give you my feet. I give you my mouth. I give you the very breath that I breathe. Everything. I surrender all. All to you I surrender. Thank you for new life. Thank you for rebirth. Thank you for covering my sins. 
Lord, I want to give everything for your kingdom purposes. I want to follow you with my life. In your name I pray. Amen.